0: Now, today, we're starting a new series that we're calling Vision, Navigating Change with Purpose. And uh, my goodness, we've been going through a lot of change, haven't we? Uh, Buku change that we've been doing over the last three months. Would you have believed a year ago that your life could get upended in, in some of the ways that it has over these last three, four months? Unbelievable unprecedented times that we're living through, a -a once-in-a-century experience. But we want to help you to get through that. We want to help you to be navigating that. That's why we're here every week and encouraging. And uh, so we want to talk to you, though, about this thing of vision because, um, you know, the way in which we handle the changes that come at us have to do with the sense of vision and purpose that we have for our life. So, So Pastor Shane and I, over the next two, three weeks, uh, we want to talk to you about this. In fact, uh, you don't want to miss the next couple of Sundays because we're going to have some exciting uh, announcements. One of them, I'll just give you a sneak peek, uh, is that um, one of our forward in faith uh, objectives that we've had is to find a point person for mission. And in fact, we put in our budget uh, to be able to to fund um, a missions pastor. And I want to tell you that this week. Uh, we found a mission pastor, young man, and his wife uh, and their young family that are going to be joining our staff. Uh, you know, this is within the budget because you have continued to, to support and give, and we appreciate uh, so much the participation and support that you've been doing over this time. But uh, we're going we're gonna to tell you more about them next week. So I want to encourage you to be back, and then the last Sunday of this month, uh, boy, um, if you've ever listened to one of the messages from North Point that weekend, we want you listening in because we're going to be talking about uh, some exciting things about our future. I want to I want to start today though this message, and I, I love the fact that as we were talking about this, we decided to use the the metaphor of uh, of white water and white water rafting, and that spoke to me because in uh, about 1982, when I was still in my 20s, um, I spent 10 days. Uh, Going down the Green River in Utah. The Green River in Utah is one of the main tributaries that becomes the Colorado River that goes through the Grand Canyon. And um, I spent it with a group called the Grand Canyon Dories. And now I don't know if you know what a dory is. A, A dory is not a fish that's a friend of Nemo, a dory is a style of boat. And uh, so for 10 days, we were going down the Green River. And uh, uh, this next picture shows you there some some days part of it was nice and peaceful and calm. And man, we were just kind of taking in the beauty of the scenery. But then every day, we could count on periods of at least 20 minutes or so that we would go through white water. And it was really good to have guides. And, and what I noticed was the guides always were looking down river. They were always looking for the landmarks because they wanted to be able to read the river right and understand how to help navigate those periods of times. And sometimes, honestly, uh, it, was, it was rough going through white water and then other times it was peaceful and calm, but it was good to know we had guides that knew how to do that. Now, vision is the guide that helps us navigate change in our lives, my friend. So I wanna talk to you, I wanna start this series today by talking to you about why your vision matters. In fact, there's a passage of scripture from Proverbs 29, 18 that says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Some translations say the people perish. Some say that the people get out of hand or they, They get out of control. Where there is no vision, people self-destruct. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now what this passage specifically is talking about is the word of vision from a prophet to the people. That where there was no word from, from a prophet calling people to follow God, the people would get out of control. But then it says happy is the person who when God has communicated a vision when God has communicated his commands to us they give us direction and they give us understanding. And I want to talk to you about why today why vision is so important to your life. This isn't something that great business leaders are to have or pastors or or uh, you know somehow super duper people. Every one of us was made to live our life with vision. What's vision all about? Well, if you'll write this down, it's seeing the future in a way that moves me steadily toward it. Vision, as the word would imply, involves seeing something, and it's seeing something that isn't there yet because the future isn't here yet, but we can see where the future wants to take us. And it's being able to see the future in a way that actually moves me. In fact, I like to say that you don't really have vision. Vision has you. And it is a way of moving you steadily towards some picture, some image, some glimpse of the future that you have. And the fact is, where you put your gaze, you will move toward with your life. That's why it's important for you to be gazing downriver for you to be looking into the future, for you to be thinking about where it is that you want to go with things. In fact, uh, I remember uh, a simple example of this. My wife and I moved about six years ago to a a new place. We lived in our home for 25 years, and we, uh, uh, we bought a house from somebody here at North Point that moved away. And I remember when that house was finally ours, the first time that we walked up to the front door, I noticed that you know, to the left of the front door there was this big area that had bushes and bark and little plants in it, about 10 feet by 25 feet long. And uh, and I remember just thinking, my goodness, uh, that's a lot of weeding that I'm gonna have to do. And, uh, and that's a lot of wasted space because in fact, at the house we'd lived, we didn't have anything like that by our front yard. And so I remember that just immediately, an idea popped in my mind, you know what? What if we created this into a front patio? And I mean, just immediately I started seeing a picture of a, of a low wall with rock covering and, and uh, well, 18 months later and about $3,000 uh, in expense, uh, it's there. And it is now one of the places that I enjoy sitting sometimes in the evening to sit and play my guitar or, or uh, sit down and work on a message like this one and uh, sit down, Gene and I uh, have breakfast there sometimes, or we'll eat dinner there, or we'll just entertain friends there. And it all started with a picture in my mind of what could be. Now, look at this interesting verse that's on your notes, Hebrews 11, verse 13. Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame of faith in the Bible. And it describes a whole lot of people of faith, and specifically, it's been talking... By the time we get to verse 13 about Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, and look at what it says. All these whom we've mentioned maintained their faith but died without actually receiving God's promises though they had seen them in the distance. You ought to underline that if you've printed out notes and you have them. They had seen them in the distance, had hailed them as true, and were quite convinced of their reality. Now, I just want to say to you that God had made some promises to Abraham and and to Sarah and to Isaac and Jacob that he'd bring nations from them and he'd give them land and he'd plant them and he'd give them blessing and make them a blessing to all the nations of the world. And when these people died, those promises had not come true, but you see, they caught a vision for how God wanted to use their life and what he wanted to come from their life. And that's what vision is. It's seeing the future in a way that moves me steadily toward it. Can I say to you that, you know, our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution here in the United States, that that that's a vision for us. That's a way of seeing a future. If I could say we're a nation where people recognize that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, rights that are never intended to be taken away from us, and that when the Constitution says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union and establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility and provide for the common defense and promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and for the Posterity, the, the younger ones coming after us. See, when those ideas got written down, they became a vision for our nation. And it's what keeps sustaining our effort of moving forward in America. It, it, if you will, if you'll write this down, personal vision is always about finding a link between need, ability, and passion finding a link between need and ability and passion. Now, this is where vision gets birthed. God opens your eyes to see a need or to see a problem or a hurt, perhaps, and you recognize that you've got the skill set or you've got the desire for the skill set to begin tackling that, and that's where the, the sense of personal vision for our life actually begins. We see need. We recognize our ability. And our passion begins to be stirred to do something about it. In fact, a great writer by the name of Frederick Buchner, if you've not read any of his books, uh, you, you ought to check them out. He's a great Christian author. And he said this, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What he's saying is, is that that God is going to captivate your imagination and fill your thoughts and motivate and move you to action over a long period of time to try to deal with something with your life. That's what a sense of personal vision is really all about. And by the way, that's why sometimes your discontentedness, you know, sometimes you hear the phrase that somebody is wholly discontented. Well, sometimes... You can be wholly, H-O-L-Y, discontented, because God is actually helping you to see something that he actually made you to be a part of and to meet a need. I think about a time in our church when, uh, oh my goodness, probably for a period of about 10 years, I'd been trying to start here a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, and, uh, and uh, tried twice, and it, and it flopped, and it wouldn't go. And finally, a third time, uh, some people began to express interest in, in helping make that happen, and, and uh, a couple that expressed interest in that was, uh, was a guy who was a, a drug-addicted hot dog salesman for Farmer John by the name of Mike Navarro. And I'll never forget, Mike and Melissa coming into my office and saying, you know what, Because we've needed recovery in our own life, and Jesus has begun to help us with that, we really, we want to own this ministry for it to become a solid ministry here at North Point Church. And we've needed recovery in our own life, and Jesus has begun to help us with that. We really, we want to own this ministry for it to become a solid ministry here at North Point Church. And that happened, my friend, because where nothing was... Somebody saw a vision, and they gathered people who captured that vision, and they started working toward meeting a need. Vision's always about a link between my need, my abilities, and my passion. And there's a third thing, that vision is activating my, what I call my faith, hope, and love receptors. Now, what in the world do I mean by that? Well, you know, Aristotle once, once said that the soul never thinks without forming some kind of a picture. And, uh, you know, you're aware that you and I have physical sight because at the back of our eyeballs, we have something called the retina of our eyes. And in, in the retina, there are certain cells that we know are photoreceptors that respond to light coming through our eye. And those photoreceptors can create neurological impulses that communicate with our brain that allow us to see things. And the brain then responds to, to what it sees. Well what I want to say to you is that God, in this area of our spiritual vision has equipped us with receptors and I and that's really what faith, hope and love are all about. In fact, the New Testament is big on those three terms. Notice, a couple of verses here, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonian Christians and he says, we recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, underline that phrase, circle faith, your labor motivated by love, circle love, and underline that phrase, and your endurance inspired by hope, circle that third word, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. Now, I want to say these three things are values. They're choices, if you will. But they're also spiritual capacities in our life. And they're so powerful because God has given us the capacity to be able to respond to him and what he puts on our our mind and our heart for our life. We call it Vision. It's activating these capacities that we have. By the way, the devil loves to use life to try to beat those three things down in you. And can I touch on them just for a moment? That faith, you see, faith is the capacity to to be able to perceive what it is God wants to do in a given circumstance in our life. And so we start moving in harmony with what we believe, in obedience to what we believe God wants to do in a given circumstance. That's a capacity of faith. And hope has to do with being inspired by the possibilities of how things could actually be if God involves Himself in our life. That's why hope is such an important characteristic for us to live our lives by. And then love, love is really the why that we do things with our life. It's the motivation, and it's the greatest motivation. First Corinthians 13, 13, Paul said, there are three things that are gonna last forever. In other words, these these three capacities, these three values, these three choices you make, they are so powerful, they're never gonna lose their strength. They're never gonna lose their ability to keep moving your life. They never lose their appeal. He says, it'll last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And of course, what I want to say to you is that when God begins to give you a personal vision for your life, the greatest motivation you can do with it is to do it in love. See, some people's vision is, honestly, it's fed by money or it's desire for fame or power over other people or, or just their own pleasure and, and enjoyment, but God says the the greatest thing you can do is get a vision for your life that you see as some way that you can love him with all your heart and you can love your neighbor as yourself and serve a need that's there. Now, let's talk specifically about what it is that vision does for us. This is what vision is, but what does vision really do for us? Number one, if you'll write this down, it brings meaning, purpose, and focus To my life. Now, vision helps me begin living with a realization that my life matters in the scheme of things and that I'm put together in a way that I can make a difference with my life. When you have vision, you have that sense of purpose and meaning. You're infused with a sense of pursuit after purposes that you know are important ones. This is why Viktor Frankl quoting another said, you know, if, if, if you have a why, you can handle almost any what in your life. See, when you have a purpose for your life, when there's meaning for your life, then you can handle the, the challenges that come. And what I wanna do, I wanna take a second, and I wanna point out to you, if you've printed out the notes, you'll see that there's a page and, and there's seven circles that are there. These are, these are uh, an illustration I want to give you of seven uh, key domains uh, in life. And uh, let, let me just touch these here for just a moment. And uh, I want to take them uh, kind of one at a time and, and let you see them. First of all, the first circle we would put down is our home life. And, and, and this is what happens out of our household. Whether you're a single person or you're married, whether you have children or... What, what is it that you want to see come about because your household exists and it has to do with the dynamics that go on then within your household your home life second is your profession or your career this is you know those things you want to achieve and and accomplish and develop yourself to be able to do uh, with the time that you work a third then is health and wellness and this is where our physical fitness and our and our mental health uh, becomes critical The, the key area the key domain of our health and our wellness. And then the next is our our financial, what I call our financial stewardship. It's, It's how we handle what we make and what we do with it. Do we save money? Do we invest money? How do we use all the money that God is gonna allow to pass through our hands in our lifetime? Are we good stewards over it? It's a key domain of life. You're aware of that. It's almost as important as the air that you breathe is it takes dollars to be able to live your life, and handling those well. And then the next is recreation and leisure. These are, you know, the sports I'm involved in, the hobbies that I have, the activities that I use, my vacation and travel, the things that bring enjoyment and enrichment into my life. Just one of the key domains uh, of our life that's important for us to be a healthy person. And then uh, there's the area of our social life, our friendships, and, and our, our being part of a greater community of people uh, that are, are around us, our, our civic life, uh, if you will, and, and our relation to the community. And then right in the center, to me, is the most important one, and that's what I call our spiritual formation. This has to do with my relationship to God, and it's the discipleship that I have to Jesus Christ. This is where the church and its purposes come into my life, but it's also my own personal experiences of worship because, you see, the driving force of my life ought to be that I live Christ-centered because Christ will affect every one of these key areas that's in my life, and so he needs to be the hub. Now, here's the question I'd ask you. Have, do you have a sense about how you'd like to see these areas go in your life? The lines along which you'd like to see them develop and take shape. See, this is where we begin to get a personal vision for our life and how we live it. This is where we start to set goals that become targets that we want to hit towards some greater objective in our life because we have a sense of vision of how our life really ought to go. And By the way, before I move away from that diagram, I want you to just notice that COVID-19 has affected every single one of those, hasn't it, in your life? I mean, it's, it's just amazing to see how it has touched our life. And, and what I want to say to you, though, is that it's, it's our vision, the sense of meaning and purpose and the focus of our life that helps us to keep moving despite difficulties that come our way. In fact, one of the things that I love about knowing Jesus Christ, one of the reasons why I think that Christ ought to be at the center of your life is that Jesus Christ speaks a vision into your life when you encounter him. He starts to help you to believe what your life can become in his hands and with his help. In fact, Jesus said this to Peter and some other fishermen who uh, were some of his first followers, his disciples. Jesus in Matthew 4.19 said, Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, Now, he spoke this specifically to them, but I want to tell you, Jesus Christ says that to every person that he encounters. He says that to you this morning. Come, follow me, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to start building your life. Those key domains and those areas you have, you haven't even begun to live until you've begun to live the way I have in mind for you to live. In fact, I love this passage from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And I love how the message paraphrase uh, uh, renders this passage. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up. He had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone and friend i want to say that you won't begin to live like you are fully capable of living until you'll, until you give yourself 100% over to the lord and let him be at the center of your life and i want to tell you that your life isn't too broken for jesus christ to transform it you've not sunk too far you, you know, you're a person, and you may say, I don't have anything to offer to God or other people, and I want to tell you that God doesn't see you that way. And He wants you to catch the vision of what He has for your life. In fact, I, I appreciate an author named Brenda Quinn in a book. She said this God has created you with a unique personality, a one of a kind life perspective, specific talents, and particular circumstances all with the purpose of using you for something that only you can step forward and accomplish. Because you are uniquely equipped, your service to God will fulfill the deepest part of you, and nothing will bring greater satisfaction than joining God in the work for which he's made us. Friend, I want to tell you that God loves you, and he wants your life to become what he's had in mind for it to be. See, vision gives me a sense of purpose and meaning and focus for me to live my life. Second, it helps me to navigate challenges in the right direction. It helps me to navigate challenges in the right direction. Now, life is constantly bringing challenges because it's constantly introducing problems and changes that were unexpected. In fact, I want to say to you, That if there's anything predictable about life, it's that there's going to be unpredictable changes and challenges that are going to come your way. In fact, really, when you think about it, there's no talking about growth without changes coming. In fact, by definition, growth is change that's coming. And what I want to say to you, though, is that when life... Throws these unbelievable kinds of challenges and changes our way, like we've been experiencing from COVID nineteen, for example. Uh, God says it's it's a sense of vision, though, that's going to help you keep navigating those white waters and those challenges because you have clarity about what you want to do. I was thinking about this, and I was reminded, you know, uh, every NFL coach that stands on the sidelines and directs his team always has a game plan in his hands. Have you noticed that? I I remember when I was a kid watching coaches on the sideline, and they didn't do that, but boy, they do now. And it's because they have caught on. You see, they have a plan for how the game will go, and they've they've designed how they're going to try to take advantages of the weaknesses of their opponents and, and of their own strengths And plan a series of plays that'll move the ball. And I'll tell you what, you know what what if the coach just went out there and said, well, guys, you know a bunch of plays. Just go out there and let's just see what'll happen. That coach would not last very long, nor would that team. But they have a plan. And you see, rarely does their plan get executed exactly the way they laid it out. But because they laid it out, they can adjust to the changes and challenges that come and stay with their game plan. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 says the same thing to us. In fact, this is a passage of scripture I've shared with you like three times in the last four or five months. It just seems so apropos. Look how the Phillips translation puts this passage. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as men who don't know the meaning and purpose of life. And the word men there is a generic one, means people. Not as people who don't know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. And don't be vague, but firmly grasp what you know to be the will of God. And I want to tell you that the greater the challenges that come, the greater the clarity you need to get through them. You know, uh, I'll never forget uh, on those ten days that we were on the Green River. Every now and then, <clears throat> we'd come to a section of the river, and the guides would say, "Hey, we're going to pull the boats over. And we're going to uh, we're going to walk up to a ledge, and we want you to look down on a section of the river because we need to kind of explain to you how it is. We need to to help go around uh, this this area, and uh, and they had to carefully have a plan of attack to make sure that they weren't at the mercy of the water or the eddies or being thrown up against a a rock uh, uh, cliff that was coming down into the water. It took clarity to be able to do that. And what we're talking about here, my friend, is why we're able to write out the challenges that come into our life when we know what the will of God is, when we know the purposes that we're to be living for and we have clarity about it. Can I, can I say to you, by the way, we're going through some challenging times as a nation right now. And I know there are many of you who are very concerned about what you see happening, mainly among a, a very few people in one of about seven or eight cities across the United States, but it's constantly on the news. You're constantly hearing about it, and you're wondering, my goodness, is America gonna come apart at the seams? And, and I want to tell you, friend. You see that 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 founding vision that we've had for our country has helped us to get through things as horrible as a, as a civil war and a, a pandemic, two two world wars, all kinds of political scandal that's happened and dissension in our country. But you see, it's that it's that vision that we have of a more perfect union. And Wanting to make sure that we establish justice and tranquility and so forth. That's what causes us to keep moving forward. I think of Dr. King, for example. And I think about his realizing there was a need for equal rights. And my goodness, he paid a price over time to to pursue that vision that he had. A vision that he handed off to other generations coming behind. See, vision has the power to do that. It helps us navigate challenges in the right direction. In fact, what we're talking about here is living on purpose by design, not default. And and what do I mean by that? Well, everybody ends up somewhere in life. The question is, do they end up there on purpose, or do they just kind of Case <clears throat> whatever happens and and get there by default. You know, uh, I I'll just show you a picture here. You know, here's a picture here's a picture from <clears throat> from uh, a satellite of this is the San Joaquin River making its way through our valley. And you notice how it kind of twists and turns and goes and, and see that's because a river meanders. Because water will find the point of least resistance. And so it winds and winds and winds like the most windy snake that you'll ever see because the only way it goes anywhere is finding the point of least resistance and and then it moves and then it finds another one and moves again and so there's no form or shape. Now it's it's interesting, here's a picture of the California aqueduct system and notice how straight that it's, it's heading. It has to turn a little bit because of the power and force of water. But that's the difference between moving water in a meandering way or moving water in a designed way. It's the difference between living by design or default. And I just want to try to say to you, friend, the more on purpose that you choose to live out and act with your life, the more successfully and satisfyingly you'll be able to do it despite all the difficulties and changes and challenges that get thrown at you along the way. In fact, let me close by just, let's hit this last thing, and that is that having vision gives me a sense of reverence for how God works through difficulties. And I say that it gives me reverence for how God is working through difficulties because God actually uses the frustrations and the challenges, and the delays, and the failures, and the disappointments in our life redemptively for a purpose. And when we have vision, we come to realize, see, God isn't just trying to do something through me, but he's trying to do something in me through what happens in my life. And so the challenges that I've got to navigate, God's actually using them to put something deeper and stronger and wiser in my life. The other day I had a product I used at my home and I noticed that the instructions said, shake well before using. And sometimes God has to shake us well before he can use us in the mighty way that he wants to use us. Now, what is it that God does? Well, four things I just mentioned here, if you'll write them down, that that happen. If If you will, these are kind of how God uses challenges and navigating them as a refining process in my life. First, it helps to solidify my convictions. God is using challenges to be solidifying my convictions. See, I've started to live my life by values and beliefs and when I find it difficult to, to carry those things out, I get tested. Am I going to hold on to this or not? Am I going to live by this or not? You know, Jesus Christ put a vision in my heart to serve him and live for him. And, and uh, that turned into to being a pastor. I didn't know that when I started following him. I just knew that I wanted to offer my life to him to be used. And his plan was for me to, to be a part of, of his church. And being a pastor, well, what I do with you, and you know, I I just remember that God began to just put deep within my heart, beginning around 1980, a, a way of doing church. That um, by about 1986 or 87, I the places that I was serving, it, it's like you know, man, this just isn't happening, and it's like Lord, is it really? Is this vision you want me to hold on to? And and uh, you know, in my dreams, God would. God would sometimes allow me to dream about helping to build a church in a neighborhood that where it was a new neighborhood and, and building a church in a way that people were drawn from that neighborhood to the church. I'd have dreams about that sometimes. And, and I want to say that um, there was a period of about two years, 1986, 1987, that I really wondered, man, am I even cut out to do ministry? God, is this really what ministry is going to be like? And I want to say to you that in that deep time of disillusionment, I think god was God was confirming convictions in my heart that this is what I've created you to do. You see it helps develop my determination. That's the second thing if you'll write that down i'm'm I'm, I'm developing my determination as I'm going through the frustrations and the obstacles and the opposition and the delays and and stuff, God is building a determination muscle in my life. You know, I, I, one of the great examples of determination is, is Thomas Edison, who, in, you know, he didn't invent the, the incandescent light bulb, but he made contributions to the development of it that proved uh, practical and affordable to use in our homes. And when he had created his first vacuum bulb that you see him holding there, it had a, it had a platinum filament uh, But that filament would only burn and stay illuminated about six hours, and platinum's pretty expensive. And so he started realizing, you know, great, we can create this thing, but nobody will be able to use one. Won't be able to afford to keep replacing light bulbs every day. And so they started experimenting with with, uh, different ways to develop filament. And and he says, over the years, he says, before we got through, we had tested no fewer than 6,000 filament materials. One day, he just happened to notice a piece of carbonized material, and he got the idea, what if we had carbonized material? And so they started using uh, natural, renewable plants like baywood and boxwood trees and hickory and cedar and flax, and finally they came across carbonized bamboo, and they discovered that it was a way that they could make a filament burn, and it was inexpensive, and I got a tell you, you, you've just got to admire the tenacity of somebody who's willing to try 6,000 different things before he made it work. Aren't you glad he developed those, that, that light bulb? You and I, we'd have to watch TV and everything else in the dark if we, didn't have, if we didn't have light bulbs. It develops my determination. It grants new insights to me. You know, time has a way of teaching me what I didn't know, and it helps me to see what I need to learn. And uh, in fact, Thomas Edison—I I love you know—he also developed uh, the uh, the nickel-iron storage battery, and it said that he tried ten thousand uh, different chemical combinations before he found just the right way to develop a battery. And he said, you know, um, he said, "I don't I don't call those failures. Um, I call them ten thousand things that I know don't don't work." And then he said this, I can never find the things that work best until I know the things that don't work. And sometimes God uses difficulties and challenges to teach me new ways to do new things. And teaches me things that I didn't know. By the way, I just came across an interesting article the other day um, about... Uh, I've been praying for a vaccine for COVID-19. I hope that you are, at least some effective treatment. And so this caught my eye, an article by um, a physician, Charles Horton, entitled A Silver Bullet for COVID-19. And uh, and, uh, he he mentions a doctor in Texas, Dr. Richard Bartlett, who believes that he's discovered what he calls the silver bullet for COVID-19. Now, I just want to make clear, I am not a doctor. I've never even tried to play one on TV before, and uh, so I'm a pastor. But I found this, this article in, interesting that, that, uh, that researchers even at Oxford and Queensland University Te- of Technology in uh, down under in Australia are researching. Here's what they noticed. Listen, we've noticed early on that the pandemic of COVID-19, that people with asthma and chronic lung diseases like COPD were underrepresented in the numbers of seriously ill COVID-19 patients. This struck us as unusual, since you'd normally expect patients with compromised lung conditions to have no advantage over others with a respiratory virus like COVID-19. But it made them wonder if the inhaled steroid treatments might be what was actually helping them. Now, I, I say that to you, Not because, uh, you know, if you have COPD or asthma, I'm not saying you don't have to worry about coronavirus, that's not my point, and I'm certainly not trying to pull a President Trump and get everybody to go out and borrow, you know, their friends inhalers to to try to protect them against COVID-19, but I do think it's interesting that we learn things we didn't know and might have never learned until we're forced to grapple with problems, And I love that we have so many great minds grappling with this problem of COVID-19. Sometimes God grants me new insights through my struggles. And then finally, sometimes he just inspires a better innovation through me. And the reality is that my struggles and my difficulties and changes, they help me learn better approaches and be able to to fix things in life. Now, you've heard that phrase, a better mousetrap. In fact, most of us we're familiar with a, you know the the you know what you see here, Victor mouse trap. Man, I'll tell you what, I've tried to set these things, and you you, you almost take your your fingers, you know, for risk when you try to set those things because of uh, the risk of amputation when the, those things hit you. But you know what? The other day, uh, Mike Navarro that I told you about earlier, somehow he got a little mouse in his truck, and so he went out and he got something that's actually called a better mouse trap, And you see it there. It's easy to set. In fact, it's so easy to set, you'd almost think this thing won't work. I won't show you the picture of the mouse who experienced demise when Mike finally caught it. But I want to tell you that there is always a better way and there's always a better mouse trap. And sometimes God may be planning to use you to show some new way, some innovation that will be better. But I'll tell you what, folks. It takes faith. It takes hope, it takes love, it takes that sense of vision that keeps you moving through the difficulties and the white water that come against you. One of our dear members here of a long time, a guy named Mario the third, passed away about a month ago now. We had a service for him a couple of weeks ago and there was something he said that I, I just thought was so good his wife Vicki shared it with me. I want to share it with you. Here's, here's what he said If we could look forward and see God's plan as easily as we can look back and see His hand in everything, it would be easier, but it wouldn't require any faith. And friends, I want to say to you that you, you need to keep looking forward in faith and have that sense of vision and purpose and meaning that God wants you and me to live with. 2 Thessalonians 1.11, the Apostle Paul wrote this. I love how the message puts this. We pray for you all the time. Pray that our God will make you fit for what he's called you to. That's what I'm praying for you today. That's why I've preached this message. That's why we're gonna do this series. We want you to be fit for what it is God is calling you to be and to do. That you'll be fit for what he's called you to be. And we pray that he'll fill your good ideas and acts of faith with his own energy so that it all amounts to something. Father, I thank you that you're a God who speaks things into existence and because you see things that aren't and you make them, you made us in your image to be able to do the same thing and we call that vision. So help us to be people of vision, help us to be people of courage, help us to be living through this difficult, difficult, challenging time that we're in right now in a way that we'll be proud of how we comported ourselves because we're living for the right reasons. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.